0: of it even if you are listening to the podcast you may not necessarily be subscribed so you're going to have to manually go into your podcast app and press play i would love for you to hit that subscribe button so that you are getting the podcast as they are released it's going to make me oh so happy to know that you are a subscriber of the pod you are officially a betty in the bettyverse and of course you are never going to miss an episode and be the first to know when it drops Thank you so much. What you're saying about your story, mm-hmm. hers, there's a lot of parallels. And what she said, mm-hmm. which I think also applies to you, is yeah. my now is not equal to my next. Right. Right. I'm using the low income housing. I'm using this, the food stamps. I'm I'm doing what I can right now to stay to tread water to keep my head above. But it doesn't mean that it's going to be like this always. Welcome back to The Better Podcast with yours truly, Dr. Stephanie Estima. This show is for high-performing women who want better bodies, better minds, better relationships, better sex, and better families, and want to hear from a woman that can take the complex science and make it easy to integrate into everyday life. Every week, I'll be giving you access to world-class scientists, medical doctors, plastic surgeons, professional athletes, Olympic gold medalists, Hollywood actors, parenting coaches, sex experts, and psychologists. I am always looking to answer this question. What are the simplest things that we can do today to get better tomorrow? I am part geek, part magic, and it is my mission to be the voice for women. Let's get better together. All right, Bettys. We are here with a very special episode today. This is our year in review. And normally, years in review, they happen at the end of the year. But this is the first official year of the Better podcast. And I thought it would be such a fun idea to get my co-host with the mostest, Mayor Major, back on. And for us to kind of do like a review of you know, the podcast itself, the growth, the, you know, and then do a review of some of our favorite episodes. We put a post in the Better Community as well, asking them what their favorite episodes were. And we got sort of a broad, like these are the, like there's a couple of names that kept coming up over and over again. And then there are a couple of outliers so we can Talk about um, all of those as well. But I thought this was like, I can't believe that we've been doing the podcast for a year. This is crazy. I am a huge fan of the Bio Optimizers Magnesium Breakthrough. It has seven forms of magnesium, which is going to help to transform your stress and your performance and your recovery and your sleep to the next level i'm often asked like well what are the types of magnesium we should be looking for so there's magnesium chelate and citrate and bisglycinate and malate, sucrosomial, is such Free. If you head over to drinkelement.com forward slash Dr. Estima, you'll see that exclusive offer at the bottom of the page. That's D R I N K L M N T dot com forward slash D R E S T I M A. And tell me which of the chocolate melody you love the best.
1: I can't believe it either. And while it feels like it's been a minute, when I was going back to the first couple episodes that were dropping, there's a whole new theme song that starts the <laughs> podcast. Like it, And I was hearing things because at the time, you were recording with a lot of guests that we were having for a live event. And it was bringing me back to that and just thinking like, wow, years actually a, can be a really long time. Like it feels time. short and yet mm-hmm. is so long. And there's so many... Changes and yet not changes. Like you were a fabulous interviewer at the beginning of the, of the podcast. And I, I was reminded of that when I was listening to the episodes, especially Lisa Nichols, because that was your first one. And I'm like, oh,
0: wow. So, I did that and I was at a conference. So the only time Lisa, <laughs> so Lisa, like I will bend my schedule or whatever she needs. It's like, yep, I'll cancel everything, whatever you need. And so I was at a conference in California and I did that out of my hotel room. And I had because I knew that I had brought in my suitcase like a mic, like a yeti mic, and all the wires, mm-hmm. and I had brought a little camera to set on top of my uh, computer, like on my laptop, and uh, yeah, it was um, it was it was great. She was, and we did that in front of a live audience. Mm-hmm. So I did it actually with Giovanni. Yeah. And uh, we had... Uh, he he runs a company called Archangel, if, if, if uh, any of you have ever heard of that or unaware. So it's basically coaching for entrepreneurs. And we had... Some of the people in his community join in live, so in, in when you're listening to the conversation with Lisa, she'll be like, "Oh, I see you sherry oh yeah. i see I see you grace you know like she's like, yes, I agree with you, you know, and then she's like kind of coaching them in the uh she's like, if you guys under if you guys you know resonate with what I'm saying, I want you to type into the chat you know Yana or whatever she yeah. was saying, right you own, you are not alone that was the that was the yanni
1: yeah, yeah, oh, yeah you were, yeah yani. yeah."
0: Yana, Yana,
1: Yana. That's right. Yeah.
0: Y-A-N-A. So it may not, it sounds a little bizarre if you're just listening to it on audio, but just know that she was talking to, uh, she was talking to a lot of people. But yeah, she was my first, my first, first interview. I was sorry. Okay.
1: Let's just, let's just start even before that. Like, did you have, okay, we've been talking about you doing a podcast for a couple of years now. So this has been in existence in our mind. You've been manifesting this for a while.
0: Yeah what would you say, three years maybe? Oh yeah, easily three years. I distinctly remember Mm. getting a coffee with Gio uh, in uh, an area in Toronto called King East. We were, there's this nice little uh, coffee house that we would go to and we were walking down the sidewalk and I said, you know, in addition to the clinic what i would love is i would love to have a podcast to reach out to members in my you know and you see in the po- like it's like people in my network right so you see a lot of yeah. doctors you see a lot of naturopaths a lot of chiropractors a lot of medical doctors uh psychologists you see all that kind of um sort of breadth of people and i said what i want to be and maybe i said this incorrectly but i said i want to be like the female tim ferriss like i want you know i love tim ferriss i love what he does but you know as a male, he can only speak to his experience as a guy. And of course, he has a lot of guys on his podcast. He has a lot, has a lot of women as well. But what I really wanted to do was to take that essence of what Tim does, which is mm-hmm. kind of deconstructing high performers and the methodology and the frameworks and the strategies, but then tailor that for women. Yeah. Because I think there's, there are a lot of podcasts, but that's I don't really see a lot of... Technical complex science, in I mean, a lot of it's kind of you know, I there's, there's a couple of podcasts that I that I'm absolutely obsessed with, but they tend to be more technical and they tend to be more male focused. So I wanted to bring that into the female realm where I could say, okay. This is what it means to, you know, this is what a Sirtuin does, like talking with Dr. David Sinclair. This is what it is, and this is how it helps your aging. And I actually remember when I was talking to Dr. Sinclair, I said, Listen, I'm a vain woman. I want to know mm-hmm. how I'm going to keep mm-hmm. my skin looking amazing forever. And, like, you know, got a chuckle out of, you know, the, <laughs> the scientist who never lasts, you know. <laughs> so I want, I've always wanted to take all the information that's available and then modify it for, a woman or someone who identifies as a woman and her experience because I think that that's really sorely lacking. And I think that there are some podcasts that I've done that are very technical. Very heavy on the science, like Sinclair would be one of them. We're talking about D- DNA, methylome, and methylation. And- I was listening
1: to it this morning. I honestly was like, I need to sit in a leather chair while sipping a port <laughs> on this rainy <laughs> day while listening to David. That's how I felt like, yeah, put on some glasses, <laughs> like sip some something burgundy and listen to this man because it is yeah. so technical and. It- it it has, I'm so glad I listened to it this morning because it has one of my favorite moments in it. And I think it's one of your favorite moments of the podcast too. And it's when you mention cellular grit. Oh yes, <laughs> favorite moment. And I heard it in his, he was like, did you just come up with that right yeah. now? And I yeah. were like, <laughs> yes. yes, yes, I just did. And he, I could, I know your voice so well and I know your laughs. And that was one of your like, geeky magic moments where you were seen by someone that you respect so much and you were just like tickled. Like you were just like, okay, I've won. I've made it. Like, I just love that moment. I I loved listening to it this morning.
0: Oh, that, you know what? There was another moment I was listening to the other day, just in prep for our conversation. And I asked him, so we were talking about different levels of the genome. Mm. And I don't think we've released the, the visual and I think we may, maybe we'll do this in the new year, but um, I said, so is this where the DNA methylone lives? Like, is this where the Horvath cloth is? And he's like, oh, we're going to go that deep into it. And I was like, yes, we are because I read your book and have 34 pages of notes, sir. <laughs> I lit I have 34 pages of notes in a Google Doc. I was I was reviewing it and I was like, Jesus Christ, I overprepared for this one. Oh, it's but, amazing.
1: Yeah. And you know, when you were just talking about being, you know, not being the female Tim Ferriss but modeling after him. It, it was really obvious to me because even when we were discussing episodes that we wanted to discuss on this particular episode, mm-hmm. it was it was the women. It was Clary. It was Brighton. It was Godfried. It was uh, Gilbert. It was Nichols. And big shout out because I love the Jim Quick episodes. I love the David Nagel episodes. Like you listeners, you have to go back and listen to them. They're they're magic. But but to me, I was really it was really obvious that that I have heard a lot of men my entire life tell me what I should do. But what I re- have really been missing is women providing me with information in order to make my own informed decisions with my own body and my own health. So that's what I really, like, those are my favorite episodes. It's when it's you with another woman, just giving us the information that we need. Yeah. So badly,
0: mm-hmm. and I think, and I think women can handle it too. Like you know, we were some of the episodes are very technical. Like Jolene Brighton, we talked a lot. We talked about the tryptophan pathway. We talked about the brain changes. We talked about rhabdomyolysis. We talked about all these different things. But it's it's not it's not. Done with a lens of like, look at all the big words I know. It's, Mm -hmm. it's, you can, you uh, as a woman, if you are trying to, in that particular episode, we were talking about the birth control pill or hormonal contraception. If you are going to do this, you need to understand what the risks are because we've seen, and Dr. Brighton, uh, Jolene, who's a very good friend of mine, over and in her practice, over and over again, where people are like, no one ever told me if someone told me that i would be infertile or that i would have a you know 3x incidence of depression or uh, attempted suicide you know all the things that can happen when you are on hormonally and chemically altering substances if someone had just told me this maybe i would have made a better or a different choice not not necessarily better but a different a different choice and that's you know we've talked about that i've talked about informed consent Probably with almost every, you know, Dr. Kelly Brogan, we talked about. We're Mm -hmm. talking about it in the context of antidepressants and psychiatric medication. Uh, Sean Tassone, who uh, was just recently on the podcast, we were talking about female sterilization uh, and how if women were just told, like, you know, this thing, they're going to stick this thing in your ovary and it may puncture, it may actually get into your abdomen and become this septic mass of infection and pus. Like, are you okay with that? Like, Rather than the, what they typically get, which is like, it may hurt a little, you know, mm-hmm. don't work out the next day. You know, this kind of silliness where they're not actually given the real um, uh, pros and cons. Um, so yeah, I, and I think, and I, I do technical episodes with, I mean, we always give you the show notes, right? So the show notes yeah. are a big part of some of these more technical episodes, but I think that everybody can handle it. You don't need to have a degree, you know, you don't need to have letters behind your name and I'll always try to take the science and like, I remember with, um, Sinclair, when we were talking about Sirtuins, like it's like mm-hmm. a, you know, it's kind of a long name and, you know, it doesn't really, the name doesn't indicate anything like what it, what it might be. Um, but I remember giving the, um, analogy, like a sirtuin is like a hen, you know, like she sits on, she sits on her little nest and when something takes her away from the nest, like in this case, like DNA damage or something, then she leaves the nest, right? But uh, is she, it's harder for her to find her way back. So there's always like analogies and analogies. things that I try to bring in because those actually help me learn them, yeah. right? Like I wasn't taught about sirtuins in, uh, in chiropractic college. It wasn't part of the, I mean, it was probably, part, maybe at some point it was, but uh, I've, clearly, like clearly forgotten it. And it's not, it was not an everyday practice. So I had to go through his material and learn it uh, before interviewing him. So um, if I can do it, you know, so... So can the people? So can my listeners? So can my Bettys.
1: No, a Betty is gonna go. Is not gonna feel ashamed. She's gonna write that word down. She's gonna Google it later, and she's gonna do her own research. Like you yeah. have to hear it for the first time somewhere, and it's not always just gonna be easily absorbed. Oh, now I know it. You know, I. You learn more even just going back and re-listening to the episode. Listening to first time I listened to the David Sinclair episode, or even you and. Kelly Brogan together or just all a lot of it is just like this new stuff that is to empower you and you can there just branch off in the pieces that were really interesting to you you can go and do your own research and and go deeper with it. So I love those episodes and I love those. I have podcasts that I listen to that are just, you know, just for fun, just for entertainment. And then there's a couple podcasts, yours included, where, you know, I get the notebook out and I get the pen because there's something that I'm going to want to jot down and and look up later.
0: Yeah. And Kelly Brogan is actually a really great example of... A philosophy that flies in the face of conventional medicine, right? Because if you are feeling sad or hopeless or something happened, you know, the the you know, your allopathic physician is not going to say, Oh, well, you know, we should we should look at the the fallacies of the researchers that came before us. They're gonna say, here's a low dose of an SSRI or an MAO or a uh, a MAO inhibitor or an SN yeah. SNRI, whatever, and um, you should feel like come back in two weeks and we'll check you out, right? Like it's not, yeah. it, and there's never, a, there's never a, um, uh, a stop point. It's always like once you get on them, now we're just gonna, now we're just gonna manage the symptoms. Now we're just gonna manage the patient. There's never really a, okay, like maybe you just need this right now, and maybe in a couple months uh, you can get off of it. Um, and if you listen to Kelly, uh, my conversation with her. She, she made kind of an incredulous statement. It was something along the lines of, you know, antidepressants put like crack cocaine and I can't, like OxyContin and I opioids. believe that they
2: are the most habit forming chemicals on the planet that make cigarettes and OxyContin and crack cocaine and alcohol look like a walk in the park to detox from, right? So I have never heard of a chemical that requires sometimes a thousandth of a milligram decrement per month in order to medically stably withdraw from. And there are literally hundreds of thousands of people on the internet right now telling their tales. And if that is a risk worth taking, at least you should know about the possibility. Because the many, many, many patients that I started on medication in my tenure as a conventional uh, prescribing psychiatrist, I never told a single one of them about this because I didn't know. So the odds are that your prescribing doctor has no idea uh, because this is something that has been discovered ad hoc, meaning like after it's out in the community, right? And now just in the past, I would say two years, maybe three, there is an acknowledgement in the published literature that this is a phenomenon, right? It's not what it it has been referred to, which is often a discontinuation syndrome, right? This is withdrawal. This is chemical withdrawal. And uh, nobody knows how to manage it, right? I have a lot of experience with it. Um, And I'll tell you that it takes a lot of my own, you know, psycho-emotional strength to sit in these
0: spaces with people because it can be extremely harrowing. And I don't think she was saying antidepressants are... that they don't work. But Mm -hmm. there are other things that have an equal and effective efficacy rate, like placebo, (laughs) which is um, kind of does fly in the face of the efficacy a little bit, Um, but also exercise, right? Exercise has the same efficacy, if not more, because it doesn't have any of the side effects that an antidepressant has. So if you are going to go on a medication like that to really understand again, what the risks are. And she talked about akathisia was, um, I'm forgetting the first word, but it's basically like you look really calm, but inside, because you have certain Polymorphisms in your liver, like you're not metabolizing the antioxidant, uh, the antidepressant properly, so you get um, you you're in a state of psychosis, but you look totally fine. Like no one would ever re- like say like, "Hey, Major, you look a little off today." Like you look totally fine. And she was right. talking about like Columbine and some of these mass shootings, and usually when there's probing, the pay, like the, the perpetrator of these heinous crimes have either just gone on medication or just come off uh, psychiatric uh, medication. So she, right. she made a really good case for trying to do other lifestyle interventions um, other than antidepressants.
1: No, I loved that episode, but I definitely felt like, ooh, this is like um, a topic that makes me nervous because yeah. it's something that people feel that it's a, such a personal thing and mental illness is so vast and so wide and there are so many different and know, it can feel like a
0: personal attack too right like if you're listening and you're on antidepressants yeah like, you're gonna be defensive you. yeah it feels like a personal attack yeah
1: right but but yet she does it in a way that is that is not in judgment it's just in like here's information yeah and it's and it's something that we're really taught to, if we are sad that I, I loved when you guys were talking about that sometimes depression is an appropriate response. It's a oh. valid response yeah. and we get we feel so much shame and we hide it and we don't talk about it. We shove it down from ourselves, from the people around us who love us. and sometimes there are moments where depression is an appropriate response to what's going on with you. And when she said,, um, Sometimes it's your soul saying no. I was just like, "Ah."
0: (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. We're going to Kelly Brogan church. (laughs) It's like, preach, yes, preach, preach, moment. And how many Betty's, how many Betty's that are listening when they do feel sad or 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 you know, meeting the constituents of what depression would look like, where we're like, okay, I just gotta punch my, I just gotta put my head down, forget how I'm feeling, I have to make myself feel better. But I love just what you're saying. She was like, I think that depression is always an appropriate response. Yeah. Always an appropriate response, either to your environment, to you know, a chemical imbalance. Like she was taught, like she was, she, I think she gave the story about uh, one of her patients who would have uh, psychosis every, around her menstrual cycle. Like she would just have this thing that she would try, or she might've been talking to me this off. I can't remember if it was on, on the podcast or, or mm. in our chat afterwards, but she was like, there was this girl, every time she was about to get her period, she would have to be entered into a psych ward. Like she was like, there's a string, there's a string in my cheek and she would like gnaw at her. Yeah cheek and uh, she was like it ended up being like a b12 deficiency you know because and then what you know about your menstrual cycle if you guys have listened to any of my AMAs is that b12 gets gobbled up in the in there's like fats and proteins and carbohydrates glutathione vitamin d um, selenium zinc your your b vitamins they all get gobbled up in the week leading up to your period so it wasn't that she was Crazy. She just had a vitamin B deficiency, such that it was causing um, this psychotic presentation.
1: Yeah, that was, that was a really great. I loved that episode. And okay, let's just go back to the beginning. So let's okay. go back before you had this idea for a podcast. Yes, you knew it was there. Um,
0: and then I, and then I, and then I ignored it. <laughs> I was like, I really want to do it, and it scares the bejesus out of me. So we're going to ignore it. Just yeah, like well, really just in like, the background, I was manifesting every night, like, please, God, let Dr. Stephanie
1: make a <laughs> podcast. And then when other people, our mutual friend Alex Sharpin mentioned to you once about a podcast, and I saw oh, yeah. it light up in you, I was like, yes, okay. I have more people on my side now to make this happen because mm. I have such a personal relationship with podcasts. I've been listening to them for over 10 years now um and the very first podcast i ever listened to was by this comedian named mark maron and people uh, many people credit him for being one of the first podcasts that that ever existed i'm sure there's someone else out there right now that's like no 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 it was so and so but mark maron has been doing a podcast forever and what attracted me to it was he's very honest and open about his feelings he talks about food issues. He talks about issues with his mother and his father. And it was the first time I had ever really heard an adult talk about their feelings and struggles and 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 just really pour out his soul to his podcast listeners every single week. And whenever I started listening to that, it gave me such permission to start doing that myself. And, and okay, I'm not alone. And there's someone else who's going through this. So that's why I've really loved podcasting because it gave me a place to go and feel like I'm not alone. And I can just imagine so many Bettys that are listening to your podcast that have that same feeling. So my question to you is, did you ever listen to podcasts before? Do you have your own relationship with podcasts? Like how, how did you feel about them? That and then I want you to go into, okay, you had the idea. What caused the like, go, let's put this in action. I'm doing this.
0: Oh, yeah. So I, for a long time, I was a very dedicated Tim Ferriss. Uh, I listened to every single podcast. Um, I started getting really excited when he started having um, Dom D'Agostino on talking about the ketogenic diet. And of course, Dom is sort of, I mean, there's many, you know, in sort of current, um, the current uh, scientific uh, community is very much a forethinker thinker in terms of what the ketogenic diet can do for a variety of different, um, conditions. He works with um, uh, Neem, NEMO, not NEMO, I'm saying it wrong, but uh, underwater people who uh, spend time submerged for a long period of time with the, with the Navy, um, what it can do for metabolic health, Alzheimer's, all these different things. So I remember first listening to a conversation that he had with him, I think it was like two or three hours. And then he started having, uh, I forget his name, but he um, is a gymnast. So he was talking about some of the different Um, uh, like the benefits of having certain flex, like certain joints, like the flexibility, certain power in the upper body, um, all these different things, and I was hooked. I listened to him, even though they were long form, like two or three hours often. The conversation. Um, Oh, and also there was one with Sivers. Uh, What's his first name? Because we, I actually took an idea from him. He was the creator of CD Baby. Oh, right. Uh, is it David? David Sivers? I have to... I'll, I'll find it. I'll put it in the show notes. I'll put the episode from Tim Ferriss. And um, his last name is Sivers. But he had this company called CD Baby. And anytime someone would buy um, a CD from, from them, he would send out the most hilarious thank you email. It was like there was a hush that fell over the crowd as your cd baby order came in and we very gently went to the shelves and in a satin pillow you know took the cd and wrapped it up with a bow and the entire cd baby company marched down to the post office and sent it off and you know and i said you know what that's such an easy way to create delight in customer service. So I took that and we have uh, an online, uh, supplement, um, just an online store for purchasing supplements. And I was like, I'm going to put a thank you. I'm going to put a thank you email. That's very similar to that. So there's been a, a lot of what Tim has done, um, in terms of podcasting and some yeah. of the guests have really influenced me in terms of how I show up, how I deliver, um, how I think about things. Um, And I loved listening to, when I started thinking about the podcast, I would go back and listen to some of those older episodes that I really cherished. And I was listening not to the guest with the information, but how Tim was steering the conversation. So how he was asking questions, uh, you could tell that he was doing so much prep. And I was like, okay, like a man after my own heart, because I love over preparing, like I love learning so much about the person before I actually get to speak to them. So there, there was that that was very obvious. And then I was listening to questions that he would ask. I was listening to how he would kind of allow for the conversation to um, unfold. Uh, when he would challenge um, the uh, the guest, like if a guest had said something vague, for example, or he wanted more clarity on it. You know, I, I was listening for you know probing questions like that. Right. So Tim was someone I've listened to for a very long time. Um trying to think of other podcasts. Like he was kind of the main one because he was so long, he took up all of my time. Like it was yeah. like three hours a week, I would get through one episode. Um, so once, I, once we closed the clinic, so we closed the clinic in April, 2019. So it took a little bit of time off. There was kind of like a grieving process and there was also just admin work. Like I had really decided even though I absolutely loved practice, I loved the the results, the success of the clinic was like, people were telling me I was crazy uh, that were in the chiropractic world. Like, why would you, why would you do this? Like, this is insane. But I just felt like it was, I was so spiritually finished with being in practice. Like, and I say this because I was doing it for 16 years and you know it's like when you when you climb to the top of a ladder, you're like, "Okay, great, yeah, I'm here." You know, And I remember uh, Alex Sharfin, who you mentioned, was my coach at the time, and you know he knew all the numbers of the clinic, and he was like, "You're like the top this is like a top one percent in not only just in Canada but in the entire world because he actually works with a lot of lawyer works with a lot of entrepreneurs, but particularly chiropractors. He sort of knows the lay of the land there and um, and I remember. We were on a call with him. Yeah. And I started just riffing on how women are not little men and how we need to like eat like women, train like women. And like I just went on for five minutes. I didn't even, I sort of like was in flow. And then he was like, Holy shit. He's like, You need to start a podcast because what you just said there is going to be life changing. Like it would be selfish for you to keep the, all that information to yourself.
2: Mm-hmm. And I was
0: like, Huh. So Major's telling me I should start a podcast. Gio's telling me I should start a podcast. Now I have someone outside of my inner circle. Mm-hmm. And it's so funny because your inner circle, like you trust them with everything, but I'm like, they're just saying it because they know me. Like there's, right. a, there's a little bit of that too. They're like, Gio's, I mean, one thing I know about Gio is he will never bullshit me. He'll always yeah, tell yeah. me you're wrong, do it better. This is, you know, he will always,
1: yeah.
0: uh, it will never, he's never biased when it comes to me. And I know you were not either, but there's just this little like inner critic, little gremlin that's like, It's just because they know me. That's why they're being nice. They're being polite. But I was like, okay, Alex is telling me. So, and Alex is one of those people that'll tell you. I mean, Alex has no filter. Alex has zero filter. I mean, I've been on his podcast before. um, And he's, I think he said on my conversation, he's like, I'm just going to call bullshit for a second there, Steph. Like, you (laughs) know, like he has no, he doesn't have no problem calling you out. So I was like, okay, okay. So I should probably really consider this. So in the... I think we started doing I wanted to get like five or ten interviews under my belt before we mm-hmm. launched it, so we started doing like Lisa was in August. I think I did uh Liz Gilbert and Jim quick were uh, one, two, and three so it was Liz Gilbert, Jim and Lisa was the order that we released them, but I interviewed Lisa first, then Liz, then Jim, and Jim you know has been it's like Giovanni's best friend, and <laughs> they, they always facetime each other and but I have a, a huge amount of love and respect for him because he has he's like a super nerd like me in terms of brain health and memory so i wanted him on the podcast first and i did those interviews and i was like this is really fun like i'm having a lot of fun preparing so for liz i read her book city of girls i read big magic and then i had already re- read eat pray love like you know many years ago so we had a really great conversation around female sexuality uh, female rage um, and this was actually like if you betty if you haven't listened to my conversation with liz i know she was number 1 so it's a while back but it's a worth it's, back. it's worth a listen because she is so good and one of the things that she said which when, uh, like first of all she's so poetic like she speaks in prose like i don't know yeah. how she does it she has just this vernacular where she can pull the most gorgeous words together uh, to make a sentence but she said something like I wanted to write a book about a woman who, or women who were like predatory in terms of like, I want sex. I want to get, I want to, you know, figure out how I can use my beauty to, uh, you know, to get more sex, to get the things that I want. But then also not see their lives destroyed because every single made-for-TV movie, the after-school yep. special, like a woman makes one mistake, you know, she gets pregnant in high school, like the Degrassi High story, right? Like you get, yeah. you get you're pregnant and then your life is ruined. You don't graduate high school. You turn, you're a cashier and not, not that there's anything wrong with being a cashier, but, you know, you, you do something and like you're not able to ever rise up again because you've made this one sexual mistake. And it's almost like this... I don't want to say patriarchal world order kind of toxicity, but kind of like we get this messaging, like if you don't keep your legs closed, then you know, you're know you going to get screwed for life, uh, like yeah. figuratively and, and literally. So I like that she wrote this book where there were consequences, like these people were uh, very um, predatory and open and there were big consequences that happened, but they were actually able to get over it and still be successful and still find happiness so I really loved that, and I love that she talked about female rage because I think that that's also a thing. As mm. women, we are always told to be smiley and everything's okay. How are you? Oh, I'm great. How are you? You know, even though your heart is breaking or your, you know, uh, life is falling apart, like an a you know, like a ball of yarn. Um, no, I
1: I loved that episode, and I related to it so much. And it's it's so funny. I. I listened to that episode a year ago and I listened to that episode a couple days ago and it's like listening to something with different ears because something Mm -hmm. I've really, um, that's become obvious for me this year is how much shame I attached and how much I didn't give give myself permission to feel like a true mother because I had got pregnant at 20 by accident, while drunk, not with a partner. Because of that, for the last, my daughter turned 17 a couple months ago, I held that with me my entire life, never really feeling like I deserved to be a parent because it wasn't something that I had made in a loving, loving decision. It wasn't like a choice that I had made with a partner. So when I was listening back to that and hearing, you know, just about these women who had made these choices for themselves and yes, had some consequences, but their life didn't end up tragic. And I was like, that's me. My life, my life is great. And your life is,
0: your life is awesome.
1: I love my life, but sometimes Mm -hmm. I'm still stuck in that, that feeling of being 20 and feeling so much shame about being pregnant and not knowing what I was going to do. And then, so I thought that was a, I loved that episode and it was just, it really reinforced how you can listen to something a year later and feel and just pick up. Different pieces about it. And that was the biggest one about that. And there was something I really loved about her. Um, she has a way of just speaking her her truth. You you were talking about her partner, um, Rhea, I believe Raya's for her Raya. name, right? Um, mm-hmm. who had passed away, and you were saying, you know, I'm sure that Rhea would want you to just move on and be happy. And I loved when she was like,
0: actually? <laughs> actually, no. She wants me to be screaming to the skies <laughs> or whatever she said. Yes. She wants me to mourn her loss. And I was like, you know what? I'm like Rania. Like, I want, if, you know, if that happens, I want Gio to be like, oh, what? Yeah. Yeah. Every
1: day. And I was like, oh my God, that's such a real answer. Like it could have just been easy for her to go along and be like, yes, of course she wants me to be happy. And she was like, actually, it was really difficult at the end. And when when she was talking about grieving and how um, that there is a part of it where sometimes there is a release. And sometimes relief when that comes, and I mean, I we, I think we feel that in relationships as well, as well as death. That there's sometimes at the end of something, you can just be like,
0: oh, oh, mm. "This was really
1: hard. I'm glad this. I
0: I'm glad it's over."
1: Yeah, I love that conversation for sure, Betty. You have to go back and um and 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 listen to to that one because that was. That was such a good one. And then we go into the Lisa Nichols episode. And Lisa Nichols, again, for me, being a young mother, like everything she says, it, it, that's she's church for me. I'm just like, amen. Yes. She's,
0: yes. Lisa Nichols church. It's <laughs> just like having a Betty church. It's like, let's go to Betty church. Betty church on Fridays or Betty church on Sundays. She, uh, so just kind of to pair the two together with, yeah. with Liz and Lisa, what I liked about both of them mm-hmm. was this, this idea of self-acceptance. So we were talking about self-acceptance with Liz in the context of the book, about these women mm-hmm. that had made these, th- they had made these mistakes, that they gave themselves permission to get to know themselves, right? the good, the bad, you know, the ugly. And with Lisa. For her, the self-acceptance was when she was, which I thought was so profound, when she was down and out, right? When she needed the food stamps, mm-hmm. she looked at it as a form of self-care, not that she had failed. So she was, I think she was, pre- she might've been pregnant with Jelani or yeah. maybe Jelani was just born. I, I, I might be mixing up the timelines, but she had to go to get food stamps. And she was like, okay, I, it is the most courageous thing for me right now to be asking for help. Like to be saying, I need help right now. And then she tells the story uh, in our conversation where she was going to get the food stamps from the lady. And she's like, I just want to let you know that I'm down and out right now. And um, I'm not going to be like this forever. And then like the social worker who's like giving up the stamps is like, okay, lady, like whatever, like move along. There's like a long line up behind you. And she's like, no, no, no. I want you to look at me, like look me in my eyes because I want to tell you that... You're helping me right now and I'm down and out right now, but it's not always gonna be like this. And she's like, yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Like keep like keep moving, lady. Like, let's go. We gotta get the line through. And then like Lisa like slams her hand down on the desk and she's like, No, I need you to look at me now. I'm telling you, my name is Lisa Nickel. You know, and oh. uh, so which is which is so I mean to have that to have that sort of self-trust, I think, um, or to be able to tap into that intuitive self-trust, I think is is quite prolific. Like I, uh, I'm still learning uh, how to trust myself to have that amount of um, self-love and compassion for yourself when you're down and out like that, I think is, is, is something to be commended.
1: No, that is something that for me, I, you know, I was 22. I had two kids under the age of one. I um circumstances had me in a in a woman's shelter for domestic abuse and then and then after that, I was in school full time I was working full time and I was um using low income housing and I remember being filled with so much shame and just like, oh, how did I get myself here? But I remember the thing that kept moving me forward was... No, I'm going to use this as an opportunity to build myself up. I'm going to use this for exactly what this is meant for. I'm here because this is my situation. And instead of just crawling into a hole, which would have been very easy to do and be like, you know what? This is who I am now. This is my life. I'm a single mom who doesn't have any education, who is in low-income housing, and I could have stayed right there. But instead, I was like, no, this is a step the next thing. And I'm going to take that step. And, you know, I, um, Hid that story from from so many people for so long because I thought that they would see me as defective. I thought they would see me coming from some place that was shameful or embarrassing. But for me to hear a woman like Lisa Nichols and knowing how like bright she shines, how intelligent she is, how much she's making an impact on this world, when I go back and I hear her story and how it empowers me, it gives me. It gives me strength to to share that story and to be like, yeah, I did that too. Like, yeah. other women can do that too. And that was that was the story that I had never heard when I was in my early twenties. You didn't hear about the women who had struggled and then and then prevailed or or went ahead with things. So her story, it just it hits me in the heart and we had her at a, at a live event. And I, you know, I work with Giovanni, your partner. And at the event, it's just like, it's the craziest thing. There's thousands of people. I was running around. I like have this headset on. I'm like doing a million different things, but I took, I was selfishly took that time when she was on stage. And I remember literally being on my knees, listening to her story Mm. and listening to the words that she says. And like, is like the Grinch. Like I felt like my heart grew like 20 <laughs> times in my chest. Like my heart was already pretty big, but it was just like growing. And I was just felt so happy that she's in the world and she was sharing her story. And I think that you need to have her back on the podcast. Because she's coming I, back on. She's coming is she coming?
0: On? Yeah. Yeah. I have her towards, so this episode's coming out kind of middle to the end of September. She's coming back like we're recording at the end of September because I like she's just the best. She's like my oh. and when and so at that event I remember uh, I was like, "You know what? I don't know what it is, but you are my sister." Like you, you know, and we were just like she's like, "You look so good. I love your yellow heels." And I'm like, "I love your dress." Like we were just like so you know, you're and I'm not I'm not usually a person who fawns over people, but I was like yeah. You may not um, agree to this, but uh, you are now my sister, just so you know, like we're always going to talk and we send like video texts to each other here and there as well. But what you're saying about your story, mm-hmm. hers, there's a lot of parallels. And what she said, mm-hmm. which I think also applies to you, is yeah. my now is not equal to my next. Right. Right. I'm using the low income housing. I'm using this, the food stamps. I'm I'm doing what I can right now to stay to tread water to keep my head above. But it doesn't mean that it's going to be like this always. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Eddie, go back. How and
1: we, we keep that version of ourselves in our heads for far too long. Like oh, I yes. was still that person in my head for for way too long, and I never really appreciated the accomplishments that I was making along the way because I was still stuck with that version of that woman in my mm-hmm. head. And that's why I think that inner, inner child work, uh, inner 20-year-old work, inner, you know, go back to every age that you have and love, love on that inner, inner you because there was a reason and a, and a place for you to be them, but you are not them any longer. And the more you hold on to that old version, the, the more it prevents you from seeing who you are um as you as you grow. And I will go into there was another episode that I really loved and it's Sarah Godfrey
0: Oh Sarah, another okay. partner of mine. Yes. <laughs>
1: I love her. Okay. In case the Bettys don't know, Dr. Stephanie probably once a week sends me one of those memes where it's like, hey, who's this new best friend? And it's like a cat with like a butcher knife or something. It's like always a meme about a best friend. And I was listening back to that episode and you were you were gushing about her. You were like, she doesn't know it. She's my new best friend. And I turned into that meme. I was like, who? <laughs> what? What? What do you mean, best friend? But then when I was listening to the episode and you were talking about her, I was like, oh, this is like, you guys are so similar. And the stuff that you talk about, I was like, wow, Steph found someone who is exactly like her and has all the same interests. So I loved that. I loved the conversation
0: that you guys had together. And, um, just, just so the Bettys know, anytime yeah. you are, you do an Instagram story, you're like, uh, so I had this like friend issue and I'm like, who's this? And I'll, I'll see the story. And I'm like, who's this friend? Do we need to murder her? I need to kill her. What is she? She's your friend now. How come I don't know? Where does she live? <laughs> I am incredibly bullish on sauna as a therapy for recovery, heart health, it's crucial for hormonal balance and achieving a state of well-being necessary for a strong physique and a strong mind if you visit sunlighten.com slash better and use code better to get a discount that is sunlighten dot com slash b-e-t-t-e-r and use code better at checkout <laughs>
1: Well, I had that moment. Yeah, I had that moment <laughs> until I saw how much like synergy or how much yes. uh, magic was between.
0: There's the room. There's people. room for. Ma- There's room for the Bettys. Like Sarah, <laughs> Sarah Godfrey is a Betty. Let's just be. Yeah. yeah. All like, the people were approved. taught. Lisa Nichols is a Betty. Yeah, she's an improved Betty.
1: What I loved about her episode and you guys talking about it together was. Um, which just honoring how complex we are, yeah, and how every single woman and man needs to listen to that episode because it's so much more than just oh, I don't have willpower. Uh, oh, it's like women looking in the mirror, going, oh, I have this extra weight on me, or I'm this because my willpower. It's me. There's something that's defective in me. I'm not good enough. I'm not trying hard enough. And your episode with her really highlights like. Our bodies. There's so many tiny little things that it can be, and it has nothing to do with your willpower or who you are as a person. I I, I just love that episode. Do you remember
0: that one very very clearly? I do, I do. We were um, after we finished recording. I was like, oh man, that was so good. She's like, you know what? You have really good girlfriend energy. I was like, do huh? you want to be my
2: girlfriend? Okay. <laughs>
0: She so what she and so I just (laughs) piggyback on what you were saying. Yeah, um, I love that, and we and I actually talk about this in in my book as well around willpower is not. It's not that you don't have willpower, but what what Sarah has done so beautifully, and we were talking about her book, the uh, the brain body diet, is she actually outlines in the book. All the different reasons why your air quotes willpower might not be on. So it could be that you have mold in your house. It could be that there are toxins, like environmental toxins, that you you know maybe you're you know dousing your floors with. You know, Pine Sol and there's Windex everywhere, and you know, not to poo-poo on those companies, but those are just like mm-hmm. the brand names that I can think of. But when we think of artificial cleaners, right? Or maybe she talks extensively about plastics, like using plastics or BPA uh, uh, compounds, and it talks. And then we've had conversations like her and actually Dale Bredesen. There's a lot of overlap there where we talk about things like benzene and like, you know, burning a, a candle in your home mm-hmm. can be a source of an environmental toxin for you. and we were talking specifically about the brain. So Sarah does a really exquisite job of outlining, like, no, it's not your willpower. Uh, the reasons why, why you may be gaining weight or that you are inflamed are some of these extraneous, like these exogenous sources of inflammation, like the the toxins, the mold, the you know the plastics, etc. And then she goes into some of the internal reasons why. So again, talking about inflammation, talking about hormonal dysregulation. I mean. Uh, And then she goes into quite a bit of detail uh, in the book in terms of genetic polymorphisms, like all the different genes. Uh, We talked about COMPT, um, uh, a gene that's involved in uh, detoxification, uh, estrogen detoxification as well. And um, it's funny because I always thought, prior to my conversation with Sarah, I was like, there has to be like a gene for like entrepreneurs, you know? Mm -hmm. Like there has, because like we're so different from everybody else. Like you, even the word entrepreneur, it's like... You would never say like, you know, what do you do? I'm an entrepreneur. You know, you don't don't say that. You say, well, I run a business for whatever. And Compt is one of those genes that I think actually determines to some extent our uh, personality because it's how quickly part part of the role there is our metabolism of uh, dopamine. So we either... So what I find with entrepreneurs is that we are very quick metabolizers of dopamine, right? It's like we get the hit and we don't Mm -hmm. celebrate it and we're like, okay, next, Um, so I happen to be like, and I was talking about this with her on the podcast, like I'm not a quick metabolizer of dopamine. I'm sort of in the middle. I have like the heterozygous, like the one fast, one slow, right? So I'm sort of like a medium, um, metabolizer of dopamine. So I'll get the hit and I'll like, I'll get the hit of the success. And I'm like, okay. Um, but I also have enough dopamine to keep me focused, which is how I can spend days learning someone's body of work. Um, so we were talking a little bit about Compt and she also talked a lot about um oh how she said um she called the dopamine insufficiency um, I might be getting that wrong. A dopamine insufficiency syndrome where we just there's these type A personalities like most of the Bettys, right? Where mm-hmm. we are constantly looking for the like we are constantly like working out because it gives us a little dopamine hit, working until our eyes bleed because it gives us a dopamine hit, right. and we are always looking for the hit to the point where we deplete our dopamine levels. So she talked a lot. She talked about this particular patient that she had that had this dopamine depletion and how they how she with her protocol went to. Replenish those stores of dopamine, and how we got the you know how she got that patient to be less obsessive about like she was doing like spin classes like seven days a week, and you know what whatever the parameters were that were causing her dopamine levels to deplete. But yeah, she's very much a, uh, a very like cut from the same cloth, similar cat. Yeah. Um, yeah,
1: and she was talking about brain fog and how it's not even recognized as a thing. It's not you, you know you can go and say that yeah oh, that's just that's normal, or and it um we were you and I were on a mastermind call with a bunch of other people, I think last week, and you got really passionate about the difference between something that's common and normal, yeah, and it really reminded me of that. So if you could go a little I love that whenever you were discussing it, So if, do it for the Bettys, tell Betty's like what is the
0: difference between common and common normal? common and normal yeah, this is this is my geeky word like I am I am. I pray to the word, you know, if there's a church I worship, it's, it's words, you know, because I think words inform our environment. It's how we interact with people. So I remember actually having this conversation with, um, uh, she's an entrepreneur. She's very well known in Canada. Her name is Arlene Dickinson. And we were talking about the difference between, so I'll get to common and normal in just a second, but just mm-hmm. as an illustrative example, how I don't call women girls. Like, if you are a woman who is you know paying rent uh in for her home uh paying a lease on a car uh paying her own credit card bills you are not a girl you are a woman and it's mm-hmm. important because there is such an infantilization already for women where we will you know and even like i'm going to go out and have a girls night out well no you're going to you know i i have a problem with that because we would never, like you would never go to the bank. You'd never go to the bank and be like, I want to go talk to that boy teller over there.
1: Yeah. And it implies like, immaturity and just like girls who are just like talking about nothing or talking about, okay, we talk, we do talk about makeup and stuff, but that's not our own. That is not when women get together that what we're discussing and what it's about, it's not just girls gabbing
0: and gossiping. like And even if we do talk about makeup, like I want to talk about makeup. I want someone to teach me how to do the perfect cat eye. And if someone can do that, please, (laughs) if they're (laughs) just putting it out there, I love to, but that's also an artistic expression. Like I'm fine with that, but I will also, call my friends who are female, mm-hmm. uh, or who identify as female, women, because mm-hmm. it implies an, a maturity mm-hmm. around it. So I don't like, and, and, and I was saying this to uh, Arlene, and she was like, I don't see the difference. Like I would, I call my, you know, employees my girls, and it's like it, if you if you're constantly calling them girls, at what point do they mature? Right? You would right. say, I want to speak to the gentleman, that gentleman teller over there. I want to speak. You would never say, I want to speak to that boy you know? So, yeah. so that's just an example of how words inform
2: mm-hmm. our
0: reality and our perceptions about people. Um, so when we're talking about common and normal, you know, I was talking about this in the context of health and I'll give an example that I talk about in the book, um, that I talk about with clients. Uh, and this is the, uh, idea of normal versus common menstrual pain right? So in society, we see commercials uh, like for Midol, for Advil, for Tylenol, for all these different types of uh, medications for you to take around your period because the assumption is that every woman has this or that it's so common that it's normal. But menstru- like there's a difference between something that occurs commonly in the population versus something that's normal. And I, in the, I talk about this Uh, I was talking about this on the mastermind. I I once had a patient. uh, She was talking to me about. We were doing an intake. She was talking like the the primary complaint was headaches, and so I was trying to get a you know history on it. And she's like, you know, I I get these headaches. uh, I get these normal headaches around my period. Like I get these normal headaches like once a month. And I was like, okay, first, what about? And I you know, this is just me kind of pushing back on her to help her change her philosophy a little bit. And no, there's no blame to her, right? But like society, we normalize menstrual pain. So I said, what about headaches are normal? What do you think about headaches? What, what is it about a headache that you think is normal? And she's like, oh, well, I get it every month. And, and I said, listen, it, there's nothing normal about it. That is an abnormal condition. For you to have headaches, I mean, you're seeking care, right? Like you're seeking a solution for it. So it's not normal, it's common. So just because you and all of your friends may experience it means that there's something uh, either exogenous or endogenous that is causing, that is driving the headache, but there's nothing normal about it. It's just common. And when you distinguish between those two, you are much more likely to find a solution, to try to find a solution to something that is common versus something that is normal. If you think that your headaches are normal or you think that your menstrual pain is normal, then you are much less likely to say, you know what, I probably should find a solution to these normal things. You, you won't because you think that they're normal. And this is a reason why I'm such a sucker for words because it doesn't form the way that we look at things and that there's often an underlying philosophical premise behind it, right? If you think the headaches are normal you're, and you think that, well, everyone gets headaches, so it's like normal, then you're, not, you're less likely to do something about it versus if you're like, okay, I know that a lot of people get headaches from my around their menstrual cycle and I too am now experiencing this. So what can I do to help fix it?
1: So good. That's just like, it's such an easy or or simple first step to empowering yourself with your health is just asking, is this common or is this normal and investigating that and and looking into that. Mm -hmm. So I've been, I've Seen you interview people way before the podcast. We used to, you and Gio used to do these things where um, there'd be events where you would do, remember when you would do the Archangel, the Archangel show? Archangel
0: show. Yeah. We used to do the Archangel show. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And yeah. it all came from really interesting dinner party conversations that you would have that you would, that you thought, oh, you know what? Like
0: people with so many people listen. so many people need to hear this yeah
1: yeah so yeah. i'm going to make this event and people are, hundreds of people are going to come and we're going to put on this show so i've seen you interview people that way i've seen you people interview on stage for years um, and now you're in- interviewing in the podcast mm-hmm. is there anything that's changed from the beginning when you started the podcast to now in the way that you interview and in your style of doing it and your preparation and your mindset what what's different now and maybe nothing, but I'm, I'm really curious about that.
0: The prep is still the same. I still, I still, I still prep a lot. I think what has changed is I am much more, um, What's the word I want to use here? Because we were just talking about words. Uh, I am much more fluid in terms of where the conversation goes. So before, when I would get on uh, a podcast, like I had mapped out the entire conversation. I knew exactly where it was going to go. I had thought about all the 100 different ways that it could go. But now, I still have the same preparatory work. So I still have a good understanding of the individual's body of work, um, their philosophy, what they're trying to bring to the world. But there's also just a bit, um, I would say that there's a bit more of a, you know, when we think about if you try to, there's that analogy where if you try to hold water with your hands clenched, Mm -hmm. you're not going to get a lot of water. But if you just open your hands a little bit, you'll be able to hold much more. So I'm just a bit more relaxed in terms of where the conversation Goes So I'll give you kind of a sneak peek in terms of one of the conversations that's coming up uh, with Dr. Amaya Shitri. She is a pediatric neurologist. Uh, She is a shaman. She's a herbalist. She's an ethnobotanist. So she really walks two worlds in terms of like allopathic and uh, what I would classify as like what traditionally would be classified as complementary and alternative medicine. And She mentioned, you know, you don't need to go. We were talking about psychedelics and we were talking about uh, mushrooms and ayahuasca and San Pedro. And she's like, you know, you don't need to do a journey with some of these master plants. Like, you can do a journey with rose. And I was like, you know what? That you said that is so serendipitous because I am so attracted to roses. Like, I'm attracted to their essence. I have like a small little rose essential oil. Uh, which is far too expensive. <laughs> but it's like, I use it very, spe- like very special occasions. And she's mm-hmm. like, yeah, you can do like a journey with Rose and this is what it does. So I would have never asked that question or to d- dive deeper, for example, into the Rose because we were on the psychedelic cha- like yeah. chapter of the conversation. But she had brought up something else that I thought was worth exploring as well and didn't have any prep around it. But so there's there's a bit more, maybe I'll say confidence as well in my ability to you know, kind of go into uncharted territories in the conversation, which is, which is fun too, because then that's really when you get like a real conversation, right? That's when you get some of the stuff out and you can really pull from the guest more of their philosophy, more of how they feel. Like I thought, you know, I I came out of that conversation uh, and I'll say Nicole LaPera, who Mm. uh, just came out a couple of weeks ago. Mm. Um, There were, there were, parts of that conversation where we just totally went off track. We were just totally talking about um, inner child work and I was sharing some personal, like my own, a part of my own personal story with her, which wasn't, which wasn't planned. So there's much more fluidity I'll say to the conversations now. Uh, I still really, if someone is spending an hour and a half with me, I really want to respect that time and make sure that we are doing, or we are highlighting what they have, what they perceive to be their life's work on in the conversation and it facilitates my learning. It facilitates the Bettys who are listening. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's much more ease. I'll say there's much more ease in the conversation now. It's, it's, um, and I don't get as nervous. I used, to, I used to get so nervous before a conversation.
1: That's that's my question. Like, do you feel the exact same before every podcast? Do certain podcasts make you more nervous? Do you, what are you like those 10 minutes before you're sitting down with, with, with a guest?
0: I am actually moving. So I will, like, I'm standing right now on my walking treadmill. I'll either be walking, maybe I'm on my rebounder yeah. or I'm kind of playing with the kids. Like I have everything set up, like all the technical stuff is set up. But I'm usually moving, so just to wake wake my brain up a little bit, I'm not reviewing my notes. Whereas, like at the beginning of the year, yeah. when I was heading into a conversation with Sinclair, I was heading into a conversation with Anthony Yoon, I was heading into mm-hmm. like all these more technical uh, episodes. Um, there, I was reviewing. I was reviewing my notes before, right like up until the last minute until they were until they jumped on the call.
1: And do you feel? is the podcast that makes you the most nervous the ones that you record by yourself are those the ones that you that are harder for you to yeah, you.
0: I yeah, there's still it's still it's still hard for me. So when there's another person, I can shine the spotlight on them. I can say, "Let's highlight you. Let's ha- let's make you." And that's actually one of the things I say right before we start. It's like, "My job right now is to make you look like the goddess that you are or whatever um, you know, orientation, you know, that you are." And to highlight your brilliance. Like that's the point of me. That's the point of the podcast, in my opinion, when there's an interview is to highlight the other person and to have a conversation, to have a conversation that matters. Mm -hmm. So when it's just me, um, there is still like I avoid it. Like there's there's a couple of things I have to record this week, and I'm like, oh, I'll just like put it off one more day. I'll put so there's still a little bit of resistance that I feel um, with my geeky magic episodes. Like I love doing them, mm-hmm. but it, there's just, uh, oh my God, it's just me. It, I still have that. It's, it's still there. It's, I'm, it's, it, it's still there.
1: So these, whenever we record them, you and I, like there's, Barely any editing that happens. I mean, maybe once one of the kids ran in, and I think oh, one time I got you know those tickles in your throat where yeah. it, you, <laughs> you, you it's couldn't. not going away. I was sweating. I was like tears were coming. I was like turning red, and I'm like, I think I just put one finger up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> one finger. an My little white flag. Like I, <laughs> I need a break. <laughs> Oh my God. I remember that. That was an AMA and I was in the middle of answering something and you were just sort of covering your mouth so that it would like the cough wouldn't be picked up on the audio. (laughs) And then it could, it just snowballed into something just like with the one finger. You're like, I surrender. I need water.
1: (laughs) Okay. So but whenever you're recording your solo episodes, is it the same thing? Do you go through And just record the whole thing? Are you stopping often? Are you... you No, it's just one shot.
0: Yeah. So I will... So for example, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, we are recording this uh, beginning of September. This is coming out not next week, but the week after. So right now, the Geeky Magics are Men Are the Seed. And then the one that's coming out this week is Women Are the Soil. So those ones I just riffed on, like totally riffed on them. I may have pulled like a couple of stats just to make sure that I had you know, the right, like, you know, the uh, testosterone levels for men are like 300 nanograms per deciliter, all the way up to 1200 nanograms per deciliter. So I just, you know, made sure that my functional lab, like that my lab ranges in my head were were correct. So I just kind of went into some of my resources. But for the most part, it's like, I get on, I I record I get into and this is the other interesting thing too. So I resist these geeky magic episodes, but I once I finish them, I don't remember what I said. I have to go back and listen to it. So I feel like I hack into this flow state where I'm just channeling information from my mind mansion and then I'm like, "Oh, I, like I think I what, I just want to hear what I said because I can't remember exactly how it went." Um so that that's interesting too and I just I don't try to do that. It just it just happens.
1: Oh, I love that. Um OK. there's a few more episodes I want to talk about. Uh, Kalari. Oh. Jennifer Kalari. Yeah. Great human, oh. so knowledgeable. I love her work. It has she's been- so
0: good at storytelling. So that's like the one thing with her episodes, she'll give you like a theory. She'll say, okay, this is the calm technique where you have to connect and then you have to affect and then you have to mirror and then you have to, but she'll give you such a real story about a child that's like, oh, mommy, you don't even care about who I am. And and I'm like, oh my God, my child totally does that. Yes. Tell me what I need to do next. Like, so she has this way of giving you the theory, but then giving you the application around it in like a real life scenario and she helped so the first episode we had her on we were talking about her whole body of work which is called the calm technique which is how to respond to an irate child which is how to you know promote more connection with you and your child how to stop yelling and for me I was I had actually reached out to her privately prior to that conversation because I was having a tr- I was having trouble with the boys sleeping. Mm -hmm. So they were, we were all sleeping in one room. One bed. I was in the middle, like this. <laughs> I was in the middle, so I had one child on each side. Okay, I was getting no sleep because if I moved my head, so if I was on my back and I moved my head to the right, and let's say my son Andreas was on the right and Seb was on the left, Seb would be like, "Your face!
2: I don't have half of your face. You turn <laughs> Andreas. You love him
0: more." And I was like, "Oh my god!" So I would lie down like a zombie, like hands crossed, like this. And um, so I reached out to her, and I was like, Jen, I am not sleeping. I am miserable. My kids have this like anxious attachment to me. What have I done wrong? I'm the worst parent in the world. I can't get them to sleep. So we talked about it on this on this episode, like because she had been coaching me for weeks, um, leading up to our conversation. And she was like, You know what? The number one thing with parents, uh, with kids that are your age, is sleep. So you're not alone. And I was like, Oh thank goddess, like thank mother Betty for that. Because I thought at the, I was like, I'm the worst mother. I don't know how I, I, how they're, why they're behaving like this. I haven't given them confidence. I'm just the worst. And she's like, no, that's like the number one thing that I see. Like it's sleep challenges with children that are at the time they were seven, seven and five. Uh, no, I'm sorry. uh Eight and six. They were eight and six years old. So um Yeah, so she walked me through how we can slowly get them to feel you know, like confident that they got this, you know, and she's like, it's all in like, it's not like a teaching moment that you think about where it's like the professor with the, with their little students and you're like, this is how it's going to go. It's like in little offhand comments, like you've got this, like you're so smart, you're so you can do this, you know, all these little things. So I was like, oh, okay. So I started doing that and the sleep situation in our home, you know, it's not, it's not perfect, but it's so much better. It's so much better. I sleep all the way through the night now, I'm not crying by ten o'clock. it's it, you know it's great,
1: no, and she really talks about that and gives parents permission to, okay, you'll learn all this. You'll know this stuff. You'll know exactly what you should do, and you'll mess it up. and you'll do it wrong. And she talks about the redo and come back and say, "Hey, you know, whenever I was yelling or I did this, like, can I have a redo? And this is what I really want to say." And I think that parents can want to hold on to being right so tightly that it that it doesn't give or doesn't allow for those moments of like true bonding and connection um, with either your teenager, because I know she did the teenager episode, or or your young kid, and to just be like. I'm going to mess it up and that's okay because I'm going to get it right, you know, eight out of, out of 10 times. Mm-hmm. Um, I love her work. Did you guys talk about, did you ever talk on, about on the podcast whenever you use the calm technique on your next door neighbor? My neighbor. You're, we <laughs> yeah, had we- just learned the calm technique.
0: Yeah. I don't think I did. So I'll, I'll share the story now. The, um, we had just done the interview with her and um, the next day, uh, my next door neighbor so we have uh people that come to collect the leaves you know twice a year uh, yeah. you know once in the fall and then another time in the spring where like the leaves are losing in the fall it was like they're losing all of their leaves or whatever so um we had a person come by to collect we have a lot of trees in the backyard so collecting all the leaves and what they were supposed to do was collect the leaves put them in a a brown bag and then put them at the curb for pickup what they did instead was that like so we're we no blew longer blew them
1: all next door. <laughs> yes.
0: So we no out longer of sight, out of mind. <laughs> it's like, oh, they want us to pick these up? F that. Let's just blow them into the neighbor's yard. So my neighbor was irate. Like he was like, You're person just came by and like we have hundreds of hundreds of leaves now like everywhere so we are obviously no longer working with this company but um he came to our door he was like yelling he's like I can't believe you know I can't believe that there's this like all these leaves in our backyard like what am I supposed now I gotta pay my guy extra to and I I used the calm technique I was like you know what you're right like that's
1: that, so annoying. It's yeah, you, so
0: annoying. And were you were you at the house at the time? I was at the house because yeah. upstairs.
1: like that for me, when someone comes to the door and is upset or angry, like that's a trigger for me. I'm just like, I either go into like, ah, I just want to hide or, yeah. hey, how dare you come to my house and talk to me that way? Yeah, so yeah. I was upstairs, and I was like, wait,
0: she's calm tech. She's she coloring him Comtech,
1: <laughs> and it yeah. worked. So well, like this man went from a ten to like a
0: two. He was just he was like, like oh. "We love you guys." <laughs> and at the end of the conversation, he was like, "You're such great neighbors. Uh, I'm going to give you some tomatoes when they're ready." And you know, like, but I was like, "You're right. That's totally wrong. It's completely frustrating." Yeah, I know how much you love your garden because he's a—he's an older guy. Loves loves his garden. Um, you know, always kicks the soccer ball back over when my kids lobby it over the fence or whatever and uh, i was like you know what w- like what do you think the best solution is and he was like i think that you should use my guy like my guy is so great and i was like let's do that let's get your guy to um, you know clean our leaves up and this will never happen again he was like you guys are the best you know i love it. your kids are great i'm going to give you tomato like we, it was just like we went back to being friendly and he felt you know i think that the, 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 at the end of the day you know i was using the technique not in a manipulative way but mm-hmm. just in a way for him to feel seen yes. Yes, to feel heard and to feel understood which i think is just like a basic human desire we all want to feel like we've been seen and understood and heard so i think that i hopefully conveyed that to him and you know yeah. I re- he still says hi to me that's <laughs> oh, <it was> beautiful <laughs> that's
1: exactly he just wa- he didn't want you to go and be defensive and say oh well you did or you know and come back with something else he just when he was seen and he was heard he didn't have to be angry anymore because I think we use that emotion, right? Like we puff up and get bigger and scarier yeah. because we want to be heard so badly. Yeah. But when you're being heard, you don't need that anymore. You can mm-hmm. just come back to to being yourself. Yeah, that was like such a. I was like Jennifer Kalari, you bravo, you genius. That's when
0: we. That's when we moved. Kalari to being a noun to a verb. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Kalari'd him. It's true. It's not I the color technique anymore. You Kalari'd yeah. him. Yeah. And I, I love that you guys went back and did an episode on on teenagers because that, you know, that's something that I'm going through right now. And that's something that you are sometimes I look at Dre and I'm like, he's a little mini teenager now at times, <laughs> but it's gonna be it's right there. You guys are already right there. Yeah. Um but I loved it. And it was so interesting, the stuff that she was saying about the differences between being teenagers now and when we were teenagers. Mm-hmm. And I, I, she was talking about how, because they have so much information and so much knowledge that in some way it makes them feel less mature than we did at that age. And that's why a lot of them, I, and I was like, wow, that that's me. My both of my daughters over sixteen do not have driver's license. Did not have jobs. Where for you and I, I know that it was the moment that the we second were. Second, I was
0: sixteen. Second. I had the I had my driver's license and I had a job.
1: A job? Yeah, I yeah. remember working under the table because I I wanted that job so badly. And you know, I'm happy to say that Jade just started her first job last week. So it's such a great thing. But I really. Auntie
0: really- Steffi's so proud of you, Jade.
1: She's getting ready this morning. I'm like, oh, this feels so nice to just... I know it's going to make her feel so much more grown up to have her own money. But whenever Jennifer was saying that, in some ways, even though they seem so much older, they yet feel so much younger than we did at their age. And because what did that episode make you... Fearful of them reaching teenage age, or did it make you feel empowered and excited about it?
0: I think it it gave me a bit more tools to deal with it because, yeah. like you're saying, Andreas is you know he's going to be ten this year, he's, but he's going on twenty. Like the other day, uh, Sebastian's like, "Oh, it's like it hurts right here." Like he was so he's pointing to where his like kind of his lymph nodes are on his neck, and I was like, "Oh, it's probably it's probably like a like a lymph node thing." He's like, "Yeah," because anyone knows what that is. Like he's <laughs> <laughs> such he's like always with the quick. He's oh, he's spot. so quick! Yeah, he's always with the quick response. Like he's so he's so funny. Yeah. And uh, I was saying to him this morning because I started school. I was like, okay, so when mommy works out in the morning you guys are going to come, you're either going to work out with me. So you do the same exercises that I'm doing without weights, or you'll do yoga. (laughs) So Andres is like, like, so there's a DVD that I use for yoga. And he's like, oh yeah, that guy, who's going to say, breathe in and breathe out. And any position is fine. It doesn't matter how deep you go in the stretch. He was like imitating the words, like, cause he's heard the, the instructor on the DVD so many times before.
1: So oh, he, that's my favorite thing about Dre. He's like not impressed by adults whatsoever. <laughs> He's just like, okay, guys.
0: <laughs> He's like, Yeah, I'm too cool for all of y'all. So, you know, I for me it was it was good because I think um for Andreas and for Sebi and even for um, my older child through my uh, my marriage with with Gio, who is technically a teenager mm-hmm, now, right? yeah, um, yeah. he's fifteen. So it it gives it's just given me more tools in the toolbox in terms of how to communicate. Um, you know, if they're doing something that you know I don't want or I think is dangerous, like I think and now listening to that teen or having prepared for that. Conversation with Kalari and then the information that she gave in the conversation. I feel like I now have better tools to be able to communicate with my teenager because, you know, my 15 year old, Mikey, he's just like, he doesn't, he's not bothered by anything, doesn't talk. It's like, how was your day? Good. Uh, What'd you do? Stuff. Uh, and then, you know, and then he kind of, he retreats to, you know, his, his abode, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, there's there's different techniques that I have now to speak to him, to kind of speak his language. Um, he likes to speak in memes. So, you know, we send memes to each other, like there's just different ways that, um, that I can keep those communication channels open with my kids. So if something does happen, um, that they feel like they can trust me and that they're not going to get in trouble and, and what have you.
1: Yeah, that is the most important thing is just to open those lines of communication, keep them open with your teenagers. And uh, there was a long time where I wasn't very honest with the kids, even I'll even use drugs. For example, when the kids would ask me, mom, have you ever done a drug? I would answer like, oh, I'm sure I've taken a Tylenol once or twice in my life. Like that would be my answer because I wasn't, I wasn't, I didn't know what being completely like honest and open would be like. I was like, is that irresponsible? What is that going to do? Is that? But um I had a friend of mine and it's not very often that someone my age also has a teenager, but he happened to have one and he's like, "You know what? I just open all lines of communication and if he's asking me a question, I'm honest about it. And the more that you're honest, the more they're going to be honest with you. And that right. really empowered me to change the way that I was speaking to the kids. And now it's like, you know what, actually, yes, I've done this and this is what I've done. And this is how it made me feel. And it's just, and I asked, I asked you about the same thing the other day. I said, okay, when the kids are old enough to have sex, cause you know, now my girls are 16 and 17, I said, are you okay with just knowing or all of it. Are you okay with any conversation that they want to bring up? And it made me feel so good when you were like, hundred percent. Yes. You didn't even have to think about it. And I'm
0: like, yeah. yeah. And we've talked, like I was saying this to Jen and I'll say, it, I, I think I said it to you privately as well. Like we've talked about masturbation. We've talked about like, we've talked about sex, like what it's, you know, what it's for, what it does, what the, you know, what happens when a woman uh, gets pregnant, you know, all these. So we've already had lots of those conversations. So there's always, you know, and I've had the boys come to me with questions like, what does it mean when it feels like this? And what does it mean when you do that? You know, so, um, I absolutely 100% want that that communication with them, and if it's curiosity about alcohol, if it's curiosity about drugs, like I want to be able to, I want to be able to give them the information that I think is important. Because if I don't, then they're just going to get it from somewhere else. They're just going to get exactly. it from their peers. They're going to yep. get it from the internet. They're going to, you know, they're going to learn about sex if it's not through me. They're going to learn about it from from their friends who know just as much about it as they do, which is nothing. Yep nothing or or porn right or they're going to learn about it from porn and i have um i mean this is maybe a conversation uh for another podcast but i think that the messaging in, in traditional porn is horrendous in terms of what a female you know what a female excitement looks like what an orgasm looks like what how much you know time it takes right like you you look at these you know, uh, videos, and it's like you know she's like screaming right from the beginning, and then yeah. she and then she comes like a minute later, and it's like, come on, guys, like that's not how it works, you know? Yeah. Um, So I, I'm, a, I really the man
1: or woman because the girls watching it are like, okay, that's the sound I'm supposed to make, and that's right. what I'm supposed to, how my body's supposed to move, and all sex looks visually appealing and it's never messy and it's never awkward and it's mm-hmm. never weird. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I was having that conversation with the kids the other day because they were talking about the thing with porn is that kids are so exposed to it so young so now. young.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: So young and and I know I'm sure you remember when when we were younger it's like you maybe saw like one dirty magazine that your parents had h- hiding somewhere or maybe someone had a tape of something like a VHS. or
0: VHS. The- <laughs>
1: Blue Nuit that you were
0: sneaking down. Oh Do you remember <laughs> Oh my gosh, I remember Blue Nuit. Yeah, yeah. Sex
1: with Sue and Blue Nuit, that was like the only <laughs> sex education I really had. Uh, sex with
0: Sue was amazing. I loved her good uh if you don't know if if the betties don't know bleu nuit that was um you know what actually I think that was just a Quebec thing because um I was saying to I was I made a joke the other day I was like oh it's like a bleu nuit and G was like what <laughs> I don't I don't know if it was in Ontario I don't know but it might oh, just be a Quebec thing
1: it was always on that one French cha- yeah it was yes. definitely on the French channel is that, that 11
0: or 12 channel. o'clock at night <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah. So there was, um, there's been me and sex. I loved sex with Sue. She'd be like, well, she was so matter of fact, she's like, well, when the penis goes into the vagina and then this <sighs> is like, she was so great. I loved, I loved her.
1: It was so good. But I mean, sex is still, still, it's still a challenging topic to bring up. And I know whenever you were preparing to uh, interview Kim Ami.
0: Mm. You're a bit oh, nervous, yeah. right? I was a little nervous for that because I was like, okay, this is the first time we're going to be talking about clitoral. We're going to be talking about clitoral orgasms versus cervical orgasms. Kim is very outspoken about, you know, if you haven't had a cervical orgasm, like you haven't lived. Like this is gourmet sex. Like you know, clitoral orgasms are like what she would call like fast food sex, you know, or fast food orgasms. So we talked about that, um, and I was I was like, okay, this is the first time we're we're doing a deep dive uh, about sex on the podcast. So I wasn't sure how it was going to be received and, you know, true to form anytime I doubt myself, it's usually like the biggest thing. And she's like number four, like she's (laughs) number four of all podcasts now that we've ever, ever done. Uh, so that was, it was an amazing conversation too. And I loved her, her background, like what she brings to sex. I, I, I quite enjoy. So she brings this Taoist, uh, philosophy around the, you know, um, the yin and the yang the masculine and the feminine you know you can be equal during the day but at night it's like you are the woman he is the man you are the yin he is the yang you know if that's if that's the, if that's the type of combination of relationship you have mm-hmm. um uh, just talking about like you know sex um or gender Um, and she's like, you know, your yin should want his yang, you know, like she talks about it in such a wonderful way and you're like, yeah, that's right. You know, I can be powerful and I can be yang during the day, but when it comes to, you know, your sexual environment, you know, to how, how to be, how to tap into your, you know, your female, your feminine sexuality. So it it was a great conversation. It was really great.
1: It was a really good one. I hope we have, I want more. That's oh, I've made a, my little list of what topics that I want to see on on better and sex is definitely.
0: Kim and I have been talking about having her back on the on the podcast. Actually, I think she really enjoyed herself, so she she will probably come back at some point, maybe in year two. I would hope. Um, okay, so what do you who do you want to see on the podcast? Okay, we
1: I made a list. You oh. and I have very similar. Mm-hmm. Gabor Mate
0: is oh. our number one. One number. One, Dr. Gabor if you're listening right now, I would love to have you on the podcast. <laughs> She's okay. my number one. Mm-hmm. Yep. Estelle, Estelle Perel. Would yes. Be incredible. Estelle, if you're listening. <laughs> yes. I would love her on too. She's, those, those are my number one and two. Estelle um, and then uh, Dr. Gabor And
1: then who else do I have on here? Oh, I have Peter Atia.
0: Peter there... Atia would be great. Yeah. It's so funny. Um I don't think we've ever talked about this, but some I look at his, and I'm like, how is he? You're
1: the same. You're the same. How? How? I have seen his Instagram posts and without seeing his name underneath, thinking it was a post
0: from you. I don't understand. It's, it's so uncanny. I would love to have him on the podcast. We, so it's either two, we're either going to hate each other because we're so similar or we're gonna, we're going to get along wonderfully well, but very, very similar outlook on life, very similar way of thinking about things um, yeah, I would love to have him on the pod. Uh,
1: Dr. Matthew Walker about sleep. Uh, he has this episode that was on Joe Rogan that like blew my mind. And I just love the way he talks about sleep. I think you guys would have a a fascinating conversation. He's, he's on my list. Mm -hmm. Um, what about the topics? So you I want, know I want, how the last Huberman, year has gone. I want
0: Huberman on from Huberman Labs. So he's a neuroscientist who is talking about the neuropsychobiological consequences of stress. I would love to have him on the on the pod too.
1: Anybody else say it now, manifest. Man, let there. me
0: manifest it with the Bettys so the Bettys can yeah. we can all stand in a circle.
1: So let Betty me. can go, oh, you know what? I have this contact. I this
0: have this <laughs> <person>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Stephanie Seneff. I'd love to have Dr. Stephanie Seneff on. Uh, she talks about a variety of things, but one of the things that she talks about uh, is vitamin, or sorry, the uh, the difference between vitamin D sulfate versus vitamin D. So, uh, sun tanning we've traditionally been told is. Absolutely terrible for our skin. It's going to age us, but it's actually what you bring to the sun, right? If you are full of polyunsaturated fatty acids and highly oxidized fats, making up the phospholipid layer, then yeah, you're going to oxidize and you're going to age. But if you are someone who's coming in with lots of good fats, um, you know, healthy diet, you know, the vitamin D that's produced on the skin, I'd love to do go on like a geeky magic carpet ride with Stephanie Sinef. Um, I have a lot of people like um, I'd actually like to have, um, Dr. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. on, uh, controversial, but I would love, I mean, he's a lawyer who talks a lot about environment, like got into sort of these personal rights that are being, uh, destroyed. Certainly, certainly now with when, while we're talking about, um, potentially a mandatory, uh, vaccine. So I'd like to talk to him about you know, how vaccines are made and, and what his opinion is on them. It's not a topic that I feel it's such a, it's such a complicated topic uh, and truthfully I've avoided it because it's also very political, but I think I would like to have a couple of different uh, guests on with a couple of different opinions so that we can get, so that we can, um, kind of come to, uh, just, just giving information, right? Like irrespective of what I think about, um, about the topic, just getting some good information out there. So the he would be one. Uh, who else do I have on my manifestation list? Brene Brown. <laughs> oh,
1: could you imagine? Uh, okay, Brene Brown and Esther Perel. If you have them, I'm going to be like sitting, at, so, the listeners, if you ever watch the videos, I'll be sitting in that little corner <laughs> the on the couch behind, just like...
0: <laughs> yeah, I'd love to have her on.
1: Yeah. Okay. And what about topics? What topics have you explored that you want to maybe even go deeper on? Which new topics do you want to have on the podcast? Like, where
0: do you see? I want to have more. I, oh, actually, the other person I would like is the head of MAPS. Uh, so the MDMA. Um, I, I want to talk more about psychedelics, truthfully. Um, and uh, there's a, like I said, there's a conversation with Dr. She Treat coming up. Uh, and we talked about psychedelics, but I specific and we talked m- more about plant medicines. But I'd actually like to do a conversation only on. Um, MDMA. uh, So I'd like to speak to someone in maps like Rick Doblin would be someone I'd love to speak Mm -hmm. to. Mm -hmm.
2: Uh,
0: So psychedelics, I want to talk more sex. So I want to talk about more of the divine feminine and the divine masculine as it, as it, as it relates to sensuality. Um, And I would like to talk generally about like the divine feminine and the divine masculine in each and every one of us and how we may, like I typically for many, many years just lived in my masculine energy, like produce, do, achieve, you know. And so I've been, even in the past year, uh, really diving into like moon and like understanding like our cyclical nature and, and, you know, moon work and the the female essence and how it's so different from um, the male uh, rhythms and cadence. So I'd like to talk more about that. And I think those are like my, those are like my big, I mean, nutrition is always a big focus mm-hmm. for me. Um, but those are sort of the, those are some of the, and then trauma, like if Dr. Gabor Mate was on, I would love to speak about, um, uh, I'd love to speak about the disassociation that happens with trauma. So it's not the, you know, he talks about this idea that it's not the trauma itself, but it's like what happens in our nervous system, how we disassociate from ourselves. So I'd love to talk to him about that. And um, the author of The Body Always Keeps Score, uh, Bessel, Dr. Bessel, I'm going to mess his last name Vander Vanderkamp for something. i uh, I'm sorry, Dr. Bessel. We're I get, Yeah. It's
1: right, right over there. Right, I wish, it's right on my bookcase. I, that book is not
0: That book has been... Yeah. I've read that book three or four times now. Um, yeah. So I'd like to have him on and maybe Michael Pollan on as well around psychedelics.
1: Oh, that's so good. Yeah. I see more sex, even breath work, the lunar cycle. <sighs>
0: breath work. Yes. I want breath work on. Yes. Mm-hmm. Lunar cycle. Right? Sorry. Yeah. You got me really yeah. excited. <laughs>
1: Uh, Spirituality, identity, I think is a really powerful topic. You know, we've been, you know, I've spent 38 years putting identities on myself and now I'm like going to spend the next um, 40, 50, 60 years taking them all off and just getting getting down to who I truly am. So I think identity is a really good topic. Ego, any kind of ego Mm, work I love. Yeah, yeah. Do, do you see anything... Changing with the way that you do the podcast in the next year? Do you think you'll always do video Zoom? Do you think? I
0: always wondered. Oh, my podcast like? producer, my podcast producer actually. Now that you said that, is going to yeah. hate me because he told me I have to start using another app. He's like the next time you talk to Steph, you got to use this app. And he sh- he did this whole Loom video for me, and I completely forgot. I'm doing this over Zoom with you. <laughs> but was he, it? What, it oh. was. Um, oh. It was part it was part Zoom and then part garage band and then there was something else he wanted me to overlay because he wants to have more control over the audio. Uh, so I mm-hmm. still I would love to as the podcast grows, I would love to have more in person conversations. So right now, you know, with the Rona, we have all everything has been done over Zoom. Even before the coronavirus, you know, we've we were doing things over Zoom because lots of people are, you know, a lot of my network is in the States. So it's it's hard to fly to you know california for an hour or whatever so i'd like to have a studio set up mm-hmm. where we have people coming to the podcast like in person because i think that there's yeah i just i just think that there's something special about doing an in person podcast like if you we published the david nagel uh podcast that i i was on his podcast and i said you know what i'd want to share this with my listeners and that was like we flew down to charlotte did the did the podcast in person and there's just something about being in front of someone where the yeah. visual cues are there you know sometimes on zoom you're just kind of like okay when do I, you know, like it's like a skipping rope. You're it's like, like
1: looking at your own selfie for <laughs> an hour and yeah. a half sometimes.
0: But. And then when do I, when do I get to interject? Right, like are they done talking? Yeah. Like, I'm not quite sure. So it's almost like you're always trying to like jump into a like into a jump rope. You know, um, yeah. And there's game. that
1: like slight little delay, but in person you can just read that energy of the other person and know exactly when to jump in. Oh yeah, in person I can see. Um, do you use the other person's face to? give you clues on like where to go next or where not yeah. to
0: go. You're pinned right now. So um, actually, maybe I'm not pinned. So I actually see my face now. So <laughs> I thought you were pinned, but I wa- I'm i watching you the whole time. Like I'm not looking at myself because it's it's too distracting. So I'd rather focus on, on what you're doing and what you're saying.
1: Oh, that's so interesting. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm. I should definitely pin you because I end up just like staring at myself the whole time and I'm like, oh... <laughs>
0: like all zoom meetings yes that's what ends up happening Mm. yeah but i'm excited this has been like i'm so i can't believe it's been a year like i can't believe that we've been doing this for a year and i have i actually um we have a lot of fun things kind of in the pipeline for for the podcast as well like a couple new ideas for shows uh as well that we're going to be working on so uh just a little little carrot there that will dangle for our bettys uh in the pipeline for uh, for you guys
1: Yeah, we love you, Bettys. Thank you so much for being with us for the last year. Uh, We have a great Facebook group. It's called The Better Community. Join the group, um, come on in, ask your questions. I know I told the the listeners that I'd be asking you all about your engagement and relationship stuff on the next episode, but I promise you when we do AMA number eight, we're gonna dive into those
0: things. Yes, we will do that for sure. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. For those of you who wanna continue on this week's Geeky Magic Carpet Ride with me, visit bettershow.co forward slash show notes. You'll find research, links, summary notes, musings that I prepared in preparation for the podcast, and I often throw in some of my best practices, bonuses, and links. All the juicy bits are in there for you. And now for the obligatory legal and medical disclaimer. This podcast is for general information only, and the advice recommendations we discuss do not replace medicine, chiropractic, or any other primary healthcare provider's advice, treatment, or care. In the consumption of this podcast, there is no doctor-patient relationship form, and the use and implementation of the information discussed are at the sole discretion of the listener. The information and opinions shared on this podcast are not intended to be a substitute for primary care, diagnosis, or treatment. This episode is brought to you by yours truly, Dr. Stephanie Asima and leverage. Leverage handles all production, creates the images that you see on my social media and takes out all my awkward pauses. They are my secret magic bullet. You can visit them at getleverage.com forward slash better.